You're listening to Behind the Note Podcast, brought to you by a musician for musicians. Here, you will get advice toward a successful music career. This show is made to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower. Now, here is your host, Chris Davis. Hello, thanks for pressing play on this episode number 72. Welcome back. If you're here for the first time, welcome to the show. This is where we talk about advice for a successful music career. And once again, we have a great show for you today. I'm happy to have this guest on. This is a young woman who I have known for many years, at least 10 years. And I've had the opportunity to watch her development since about the time when she was in middle school. And today she's a grown woman with a family and and a child and uh, working through graduate school. And she's the recipient of the Bill Gates scholarship, which which simply means that she can go to any school in America of her choosing and the Bill Gates Foundation will pay for her schooling. We talk about that a little bit, but she is also an excellent musician and she is coming into her own right now. And I think you're going to hear a lot from her in the future. And so I kind of want to just bring her to you like ahead of time, you know, just because it's fun to do stuff like that. Um, Today, we have a casual conversation. We, we normally do things more formal here, here on the show, but we have a more casual conversation here. And we actually met in a Starbucks. So uh, please forgive the background noise that you might hear throughout the show, but you can still hear our voices just fine. And we talk about music and there's plenty of there's plenty to take away here from from my conversation. And at the end, we kind of flip the script. She asked me some questions, which is not normal. But there, again, there's a lot here for you to learn from. I'm happy to bring to you right now, Mrs. Lanai McKinley. Welcome to the show, Lanai. Tell us about your beginnings as a musician. Oh, man. What did that look like for you? Wow. You're taking me back. Um, Music saved my life. For real, for real. Like, I struggled with, you know, confidence. I struggled with all of the, you know, the typical things that we all struggle with growing up. But um, getting started really came out of uh, I needed a place to be. I needed a safe place to be after school. I needed a safe place to be during school because <laughs> peers are not always the nicest people to be around. And I decided to join the band in middle school. And I did a little bit of band work in when I was in private school before that but in middle school um I met John Weber and he was like yeah join the band you know and John Weber kind of took me under his wing you know over at Brooks Middle School and um from that I I just learned one day at a time that this is the thing that I'm going to do uh for those for the people that don't know I actually went to the same yeah. middle school <laughs> just like a long time before you. Right. Not long time. We're not but, that far apart. <laughs> but um so here here's the question for you. Why why did you want to play music or did you even really want to play music? You said Mr. Weber grabbed you no, up. I definitely was leaning towards music, you know, most of my life, but um it wasn't, you know, never specified until I started to play the saxophone officially. You know, once I got affiliated with the saxophone, then I determined like, OK, I want to keep doing this. You know, I really want to make this thing a part of my life. And as I continued to grow as a person, 
I continued to grow as a musician and I saw that correlation being something that needed to happen for the rest of my life. Did you randomly pick saxophone? Why why did you I randomly picked the trumpet. That's why I asked. I can't even remember. To I, be, I, I have wanted like to be somewhat a childhood saxophone music. player. That's really so why yeah. why would you not why would you do that to well, yourself? Well when I when I showed up <laughs> uh, for the for the people who don't know the story, um I wanted to play saxophone when I was young, like a kid. Like let's just say I was six years old. And uh Asked mom, what is that sound on the radio? It's a saxophone. So then I wanted to play saxophone. That's and old. I was finally old enough to join the band and learn right. how to play an instrument. And the band director came to the school with a table full of instruments. And he let us test them out. They call it the petting zoo now. The petting zoo. <laughs> he, let him, he let us test it out. And saxophone was not on the table. Mm. I said, I want to play saxophone. Mistake. Yeah, I said, I want to play saxophone. Do you... And he said, well, do you own a saxophone? I said, no, I don't. Well, you can play flute or clarinet, and then one day you'll play saxophone. And at that age, I totally thought flute and clarinet were for girls. And Understandable. I mean, I was <laughs> don't hold that against me. I was a kid. No, no, understandable. Yeah, so I didn't do it for that reason. Yeah. And uh, he said, well, you can play this trumpet or you can play this trombone. Here, try these mouthpieces out. And when I buzzed them, he said, well, you sound good on both of them. And he went on to try to sell me on playing trombone. <laughs> hey, you get to be in the front of the marching band. To and, do with your anatomy. And, and also, with, you also get to be in the front page of the newspaper because you'll be in the front line. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll pick trumpet. You know, I just went the opposite way for no good reason. <laughs> and, it, and it turned out, you know, it was a good call for me, you know. That's why I asked you that question. Well, I'm glad for that call, for the record. So did you, <laughs> but, did you yeah. pick saxophone um, on, you know, was it random for you or did you always want to play To be completely honest, I do not remember the petting zoo experience. I don't remember the experience that I first had when it okay. comes to, you know, when the instruments were all laid out. I know that happened at some point. I just don't remember because i'm i'm really bad with memory that far back but it's all right i do know that um i was looking to be you know engulfed in something so it, it worked out well it really really did i want to kind of fast forward uh to the end of your high school career you are bill gates scholarship winner <laughs> and to you i know you might not think it's a big deal but how many bill gates scholarship winners are there so First, tell us what that is, because I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody doesn't know what that is. And then um, tell us like how you earned it and what, okay. what did that do for you? Uh, the Bill Gates Scholarship is a scholarship that has been um, com- comprised and contrived for minorities. And um, Mr. Bill Gates himself has you know, made sure that all of the candidates are strong in leadership qualities, strong in community service, strong in um, academics. And also, you know, being eligible, which was the minority aspect. So, yeah, I wrote these these uh, essays, I'm sorry, at the very, very last minute. I decided the week before it was due that I was going to go ahead and jump on board and try out for this scholarship. And it was my mentor <laughs> that is no longer with us, unfortunately, that um, really, really helped me. I found out later in life that really helped me get into this, this whole aspect of it um, because... They were trying to say that there were some issues, you know, with me personally be not being eligible. But all all in all, it all came together. And here I am today standing before you as someone that my, my entire education has been mostly paid for up into my doctorate. So, what a, yeah. What a great privilege that is. <laughs> that, what a, that's a great privilege. So, 
you you basically earned it through uh, your activities throughout high school and um, and your just just living life. Is that true? That is accurate. Okay. Um, it was a combination of you know just being heavily involved and I, okay. If I had to be completely honest, mine was like deeply rooted in music because um, I used all of my my. My resources, I use all of the, the people around me that have became, you know, leaders and mentors of my life. Like, I've, I haven't, I've yet, you know, to meet someone that has influenced me musically that hasn't been equally a life coach because there's so many of these things that are transferable. You know, whatever you learn in music can easily be transferable, transferred rather, into any other aspect of life. All right. So what's your biggest takeaway from your entire college experience as a whole? Listen to your teachers. <laughs> Seriously. You know, when you're young, you want to come in thinking you know all of this stuff, you know, and, and to be honest, like you do, you know, you know a lot of stuff from your perspective. But if, if you've um, committed to these people to be your musical mentors, just like I said before, you know, music is so transferable to life that, you know, you should really trust these guys as long as, you know, they're qualified. And if they're there, they're qualified to um, really listen to them, you know, and um, practice hard. Because that'll be the most time you'll ever have to practice. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. And then real life comes. <laughs> and and then things change. And so you actually led me to my next question, believe it or not. I wanted to know when you graduated and then there was real life looking you in the eye, what did you do next? And how, and how did you perceive life after after college? When we're students, we think it's going to be one way. And then we, we graduate. And then we see it's not exactly the way we thought it was going to be. And so I was wondering what that looked like for you. This is a great question because, I, like I said, I was actually um, pregnant during my senior recital and I had um, been married since my sophomore year. But after that, um, to be honest, life happened so fast. Like everything was coming at me from bills to, you know, what are you doing as a musician? You know, to I felt like a ghost to most of my peers because they're like, oh, shoot, you're still playing. And it's like, yeah, I'm still playing. I'm working hard on my musicianship, you know, but nobody's in the practice room with you for those 13 hours a day. That doesn't matter to to the people that are on the outside waiting to hear you play. But at the same time, when life has its demands, like, you know, I have to be here for my child. I have to be here for for my spouse. I have to be here, you know, for for all of these different things that that are calling my name. It was it was very, very tough. You know, it was like reality hit me a little bit too hard personally but i've learned to um really 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 um get with the flow you know and i think having musical mentors all around me has really been the greatest aspect of that you know of life for me because if it wasn't for that i probably would not be still playing even to this day my um undergrad teacher his his motto to me is like you know and i'll always be proud of you if you never trade your instrument for a desk that's great. Now, your musical mentor from undergrad is who? Diego Rivera. He's a okay. saxophone instructor at Michigan State. Okay. Yeah. But, um, well, wait, that's just one. I'm sorry. I got Chris Davis. Oh, <laughs> you no, know, no, trumpeter. No, no, okay. I have Dr. Roosevelt Griffin. I have, I, I, my list is ridiculous because I'm blessed. But Now, you, you actually said something that uh, is very worth taking time right now just to point out. I don't want people to just to skim over this. You say that you have mentors, and uh, you use that in in the present tense, and that's really important. Um, that's something that I've learned, that people need mentors in life. 
it helps you get along further along than if you don't have a mentor. And uh, that's, that's very some, true. That's something that we should never get away from. So I think that shows wisdom on your part to have those people in your life and yeah. help you along. It's it's so important to keep those people constantly, you know, around. I remember a time when I was going going through some craziness in undergrad and the craziness in undergrad was probably something that I, I contrived on my own in my own head, but I felt so depressed as a musician that I had to come. I drove all the way back from Michigan State to Illinois to Harvey to see Dr. Griffin just to have a conversation, like help me get grounded. So like my musical mentor helped me <laughs> across even another. Yeah, that's you know, good. And uh, you're showing, and these this is the reason I have you here. You're showing that the challenges that people go through, these are common challenges that we all have in different form, but it's it's still something that we all go through. So yeah, we and that's why we're doing behind the no podcast yeah. to to make everyone aware you're not in this alone, and uh, we can help each other. So that's really good. I had yeah. a similar experience when I was in college. I think for me it was my freshman year, and it was just all the change, man. Yeah, you know, it was just I get it. It's just bam, there you are. Everything's dumped on you. And uh, for me, I was taking uh, ba- I was taking too many classes. Uh, they would not. I've been there. I was taking so many classes. I needed an, an what they called an overload permit. I needed permission Been there, to literally. take the classes, <laughs> and um, they wouldn't give it to me because I was a freshman. And I yep. said, "Well, hey, yep. you tried to take twenty-one credits, twenty-two, twenty-two, yeah, and something like it was actually a little bit over." And I was, I didn't know any different. And my thinking was, "Hey, well, I took all these classes in high school. <laughs> it's not the same." <laughs> and uh, they would not give me permission. So what I ended up doing was playing in my ensembles uh, for no credit. You know, that's how I got around. Yeah. That. But, you know. You still got the experience. Still got the experience. But I remember one particular night I went to the lobby just so I can get away from my roommate at the time. And I, <laughs> and I called. Whoever I called, nobody was available. I was like, man, I need to talk to somebody. And then I ended up calling my, my great aunt. And we talked for 30 minutes, and uh, she just gave me a little bit of encouragement. That's I was, dope. I was good. That's great. You know. That's perfect. Everybody goes through those yeah, things. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Seriously. So, yeah. going on. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> gotcha. I don't want to bore everybody with this. <laughs> but what, what's, what's it like for you today being a musician? And Tell us what, first of all, what are you doing in music? Man. What, what does it look like for you? Music today is amazing for me. I'm not going to front. Like, I never thought that. I never thought that all of the hard work and all of the effort would amount to this. I always thought that I was doing all of those things. And, you know, I'm a negative Nancy. I'm one of those people that I lean more towards the realist to pessimistic side. So, you know, understand my bias. But, you know, I'm I'm doing so much more than I ever thought that any amount of practice would ever amount to any amount of effort would ever amount to. I'm um playing with just about every local band you know you know and and to say local band is an understatement because i'm these these local band musicians that i'm playing with are still the the musicians that are playing with all the mainstream artists just about i have to ask i <laughs> normally don't ask a lady but how old are you i'm 25 well i almost said 25 my birthday was last week i'm 26 i'm sorry okay. <laughs> i just want to point out we have a young musician here yeah that's making a mark on the local scene all right, yeah. please continue. So I'm playing with I think I'm playing with just about every local band that's out right now. And I don't I don't like that because I don't want it to seem like 
you know, I'm false flagging. But at the same time, like, I really just love so much of everything that everybody's doing. Everybody has their own sound. Everybody has their own approach, their own spirit. And they're all great vibes, all great spirits. And um, I don't I don't know if you guys have ever heard of some of these artists, but, like, um, I have uh, Dwayne Bradford and I have um, uh, even Chris Davis himself. I have, um, you know, man. I can't even think right now because the the list is really, really, really that thick of of how many musicians have openly, you know, accepted me in because I'm I don't want to I'm I'm never the person to brag, but I'm qualified, you know, and. <laughs> well, you can brag here on no. this platform. No, seriously, this is why we bring you no, here. I'm no, not. Seriously. We actually we want we want to know. So it's OK. You, you can brag about yourself. I give you permission. I'm I'm definitely uh qualified in the sense that I I can play my horn and if somebody and I'm coachable how about that if somebody tells me hey you ain't doing that right then you know I'm gonna fix it this is true about you <laughs> and if they tell you you're doing that me I'm doing that great then I'm gonna make sure that that happens better <laughs> that's just the local level like uh, just recently I'm the berry player for the Dr. Phillips Jazz Orchestra down in Orlando Florida and they had like a national audition for this and somehow I'm I'm playing with my teachers now you know earlier I said you know Derek Rivera and Rodney Whitaker and um, Michael Deese, these guys have been like the people in my life to make me feel like, you know, I need to be a hardcore, you know, straight ahead jazz musician. Definitely in it. <laughs> how how did you get in it? A lot of people actually don't know how to get in it. So d- tell us how that happened for you. It has nothing to do with music. Tell us about it. It has everything to do with your spirit. It has everything to do with your humility. It has everything to do with your modesty. It has everything to do with your sincerity. Like, you know, you can play music every single day and be the coldest player in in any genre, any space, any place. But if you don't come with something that people can relate to, you know, I guess I should have said that relatability. You know, if they can't feel you and if they can't feel for you, you know, people are not really going to reach. But to be completely honest, I, I feel like, everybody's reachable and I've been reaching and people have been reaching back and I've been open and I've been transparent and I've been honest. And that has been really the hugest selling point for me. How how do you reach out to people? I mean, that can look different for everybody. It looks different for me than it does someone else. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you an, an example for me um, okay. and then tell me what it looks like for you. So uh, recently I was able to work uh, Broadway in Chicago and it uh-huh. it seems like, well, first of all, as musicians, we know you're really only as good as your last performance. Amen. And because you have a <laughs> you have a gig today, you might not have it tomorrow. And that's just how that's just how it is. We we understand that we accept it. And uh, Broadway in Chicago for me was something that I wanted to do. It was a uh, something on my goals, and so it finally unfolded. But I didn't want it to be a one-time thing. So um, what I did was, once first of all, word travels. So and and the, and the circle is small. So word got out that I was playing this show, and suddenly yeah. I had more friends. It was yep. really really interesting, <laughs> which yep. I, I I totally welcome. Yep. Uh, I'm fine with that. And uh, I think I know this guy. Uh, anyway, we're at Starbucks, so <laughs> I, I welcome that. And I was invited to a theater musicians meeting. Didn't even know that existed <laughs> before. And so I showed up and I met some more of the quote unquote theater musicians. Yeah. And it was a very positive experience. Uh, really enjoyed meeting the, 
meeting them. And I met two of the best trumpet players in the world. Uh, also in Chicago, if they're best in the world, then they're best in yeah. Chicago. But these two guys, I'm going to tell you their name. Carrie Detman and Tim Burke. Wow. And I hope to have both of them on the show. Um, they allowed me to come sit in on the pit in Aladdin. And it was a very great experience to watch two people work with one brain. Yeah. I said, how do you guys do this? Well, they've been working together. Not, not only have they been playing trumpet as long as they have, but they've been working together for 40 years or so. That's wow. a long time to yeah. work together. That is. Not, not they've been playing right trumpet <laughs> for 40 years, but they've been working together for 40 years. Yeah. And uh, it was very wonderful to watch. And so after uh, the after the, the show was over, they invited me for uh, social time. You know, we went yeah. across the street to the restaurant. I'm not going to turn that down, you know. The hang. I, the That's hang. what you call the hang. <laughs> the hang, yeah. That's what so, a real networking happens. <laughs> yeah, so we, we got to know each other a, a lot better. Yeah. And um, that was another invaluable moment you know i learned even more sitting down talking to the guys and so i really believe from that one night that now i have two new people that i can and have since called upon you know and uh you know hopefully this is only the beginning of a new relationship where we get to sit down and yeah, I, I hope to learn more about how to play trumpet from them. You know, even though I'm yeah a, a okay trumpet player right now, you know, I yeah. want to get better. Okay, <laughs> those guys are so much better than I am. I was like, my goodness, that's that's possible. <laughs> so <laughs> so anyway, so that that's what that's what uh, reaching out looked like for me in that instance. Uh, I was just look, give me an example for you. You know what? So for me, I had to call Tim up. I had to say, hey. Can yeah. we? Can I come sit in the pit? He said, "Of course." You know, so there, there's some there's some uh, involvement on from on my part to reach out to someone who's established. And what I've learned is they're pretty welcoming people. You know, you just got to reach out and ask. That's real. I, you know, reaching out for me has been similar to that, but you know, school has covered a lot of that for me. Like because we had so many artists coming in you know with you know touring with the big band that you had so many opportunities to just ask questions and sit down and hang with them you know after after the hits and after the tour and after that but like as far as like currently as far as what i'm doing as far as what i'm doing to like make sure that i'm I'm creating connections and, and networking in in situations that matter it's it's really been a lot more so on 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 the lines of just sincerely having conversations and i guess I, Okay, I guess I'm saying the same thing over again, but just just sincerely having conversations with with these people after the after the shows. For example, well, I have this group that I personally like a whole lot, and they're very 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 local. I'm sure that most people don't know them, but they have this group that their name is That's It. Even even with um them being so local and me being such a fan, I I didn't care. I went to their event on my birthday last week, and afterwards I talked to everybody in the band made sure i talked to everybody in the band actually even during the event i'm sorry they because of a mutual friend they asked me to come up and play so being prepared to play at all situations is huge you know always bring your horn i learned that the hard way always bring your horn all right 
even more so being directly connected to what's happening that matters like afterwards just letting them know that you know i'm saying you know i'm 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 really have a, a sincere love and desire for music and i have a sincere love and desire for them you know just just being you know natural human beings i feel like a, lo- a lot of times we we lose that that um understanding that we're all pushing for the same thing we all want to make music and we want to make it on a high level and we want to connect with each other so after after the event and after our connection or whatever these the the group they added me they followed me you know they connected with me you know they're they're like you know you came and slayed and it's like my performance was probably okay you know i don't know i don't remember but even even if it was great or if it was poor because i definitely made it my point and made it my of my best interest to let them know that you know i'm sincere about this and i'm sincere about you guys that really really changed the dynamic of our relationship that's a very great lesson thank you very much that's perfect (laughs) and i knew i knew that was in there that's the reason why i asked so uh, let's let's uh flip the script i know you got some questions that you wanted to ask me I, I don't really do. I don't know what they are and I, I love really do. that I don't know what they are. Perfect. So let's see what's going on here. So in the realm of playing, how do you manage to balance between gig prep and practice for overall growth? Oh, okay. Uh gig prep. A practice for overall growth. Okay, you, practice for overall growth is um a habit for me at now. And um it fits into with it fits into my philosophy. I believe fundamentals, fundamental, fundamental, fundamental. Mm-hmm. If you if you if you stay sharp on your fundamental, it's my belief you'll be prepared for whatever comes your way. So if I don't do anything else, I get my fundamentals in, and I'm cool with that. No, as, true. as far as um, and it took me some time to work up to that. You got to start from somewhere. All right. So as far as uh, gig preparation. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of jobs. The calendar is full. Thank the Lord. Yeah, amen. N- amen we're not, we're not starving artists. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, but you, you do have to prepare. You have to do a good job. You have to be um, you have to be honest and play play the job with true authentic, authenticity. Authenticity. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the the way that we work locally is by playing different types of music, different yeah. genre. Exactly. So how do you prepare for that? For me, it's uh one one week at a time. And I deliberately am careful with what I accept. Ah. Uh-huh. You you just can't do too much. That's uh, I I don't believe in uh just doing too many things. Uh-huh. Because you can't I I can't. I just speak for myself. I can't do everybody's job well if I'm doing three gigs in one day. Right. That's too much. Driving alone is too much. Right. So I'm gonna I'm not gonna do a good job for someone and that's no good because I'm building bad a bad brand for myself, mm-hmm. a bad name for myself 100%. if I do things that way. I, I I decided not to do things that way because I don't perform well that way. So it's a little easier for me to spend a week or three days or whatever it is, is required to do my homework. Now, I have a short memory. So <laughs> when I have to uh, memorize a song, like horn section work, for example, I just listen to the music over and again 
just casually listen. Uh-huh. And and if you don't, if you don't realize it, if you casually listen to a song, it becomes a part of eventually yeah. you'll know the lyrics and you're like, yeah. how did I know the words? I, yeah. So casual listening is a good start. And then you have to begin to listen deliberately. Yeah. Passive but, versus active listening. Correct. Yeah. And so then uh, I always write out things that I would consider uh, something I might forget. Yeah. So that's that's how I do it. I, I write cool. things out. Now the other yeah. thing is this. Um, for example, like two weeks ago, I had a classical, which you would consider a classical job, and then I had um, a, like a pop a pop job. Mm-hmm. And for me, the classical jobs are few and far between. Even though I can do them well, yeah, I'm not really in that circle. Yeah. So I had to put a little bit more time into that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do, and I'm fine. You know. Yeah. Understanding what's yeah. priority. Correct. You know, yeah. that comes full circle to the question I asked originally because, <laughs> I'm sorry, mm-hmm. that comes full circle to the question I asked originally because, you know, it's 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 all about like, you know, for me personally, it's like either you have, you know, your personal growth or I got to get ready for this gig as your priority. And, and I understand that you can always take something from any situation, but it's very, very interesting that you brought that all the way back around. So. That's 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 really good. <laughs> I talked to Marquise Hill right here on the on behind the little podcast. Um, he t- he talked about using whatever his job presents and making it a fundamental drill. Yeah. So, for example, if he was trying to learn a new tune mm-hmm. for a, for a gig, well, you got to become familiar with the chord changes. <laughs> right. So he starts learning the chord changes by playing long tones. Through the mm, chord changes. Okay. That's how he, that that's his approach to it. Okay. And that's kind of really cool if you think about it, because chord changes aren't necessarily going to move in half steps, for example. They might move in thirds, or they might exactly. move in fourths, and then the half step. Exactly. You know, so it's, it's kind of random. You get, yeah. you get the point. Yeah, I got you. So that's a good example of how to uh, prepare for your job while incorporating fundamentals. That's good. I have some other questions here, but I think I want to go off of my script. I think I want to ask you, you know, um, overall, what has been your personal interaction with female musicians? What has what has been um, from the standpoint of a, you know, musicianship and artistry and then the standpoint of business? Because let's be honest here. Music is a male dominated field. What has been your interactions? What has been from artistry to I, I guess artistry covers it all. Well, from business to musicianship, what has been your interactions? Well, the woman that the women that I have worked with, and I said it already hasn't been that many, but they've all been excellent musicians, mm-hmm. all of them. Wow, that's good. Um, I, I'm gonna put some names out. People probably won't know these names. That's fine. Uh, there's my Sugimoto. I do know my I, I was alto killing alto player. player. I love her. <laughs> She's dope. Um, I've worked with uh, British Thomas, piano I player. Murder British. That's dope. Great though. musician, piano player. Great musician. Uh, I worked with uh, Tina Crawley, a vocalist. Oh my goodness! I've worked with Angela Martin. People might know Angela Martin. She's an American Idol uh, finalist ah, from like one of the okay. earlier seasons. 
and she's a sh- Chicago woman. Now mm-hmm. she's a lot more mature in okay. her singing and her presentation than is she that, was back on Idol. Is that culture any different from working with male vocalists and male instrumentalists? It's the same vibe. It's the same, you yeah. know, keep up. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's, that's excellent. Been, that's been I've my my experience. Um, multiple different, you know, perspectives of that, and that's perfect. Yeah, every the people that I just named. Uh, these are the people who come to memory right away. They are great, great musicians. I don't, I don't see any of them except Angela trying to uh, be a band leader or mm-hmm. move forward as a band leader and really make a name for themselves as a, as a leader. Um, I don't Expound know. If that, on that. I don't, Expound I don't on know that. If I want to really, hear. I don't know if that means anything. Maybe they just don't have the desire to do that. Mm-hmm. That's all. I play with guys in my, and uh, Chris Same Davis, thing. Jazz Tet. Some of those guys, all of them are excellent. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. I, I designed it so I'm the weakest player in the group. Amen. And uh, as far as I know, two, two, okay, three of the seven band members are pursuing a career as a, as a band leader. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just uh, representation of musicians in general. How do you maintain a confident image while being such a modest player? I really care very little about what people think. I care I care very little about what people think. All I really care about How did how did you develop that though? Um it's been it's been in me since since a young age. Um how did I develop that? I, actually let me let me think about that and answer. This is how I developed it. When I was a kid in grade school, people picked on me. I had to learn how to fight. I was fighting, fist fighting. Transferable. Uh, <laughs> you know, getting hurt, uh, blooding up people's noses, <laughs> things like that, you know, and I, and I had to learn. Now, I was doing that from self-defense, actually. Um, yeah. It's important to know. You know, we grew up in Harvey, which is like a yeah. poor neighborhood. And, yeah. You know, that's just that was just the yeah. culture, gang violence yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. So. And I was I was the guy who was um, you know I I was raised in the church yeah. you know kept to myself yeah uh, my parents my parents taught me how to speak the the proper way why are yep. you always speaking proper yep. you know stuff like yep. that so that that led to fights um, yep so I didn't really care I, I well growing up there taught me how to get over what people thought about me because then I learned that oh they're picking on me because I'm different yeah. than they are. I don't yeah. get into the same mischief that they get into. And for that reason, they want to start mischief with me. Yeah. So uh, that's how I began to develop that mindset of not yeah. caring what people think. My grandmother taught me. Uh, you, you can't really get into that. And so at a young age, I began to develop that. That was before or about the same age that I began to play cornet. Yeah. So um, now today... I, I care very little about what people think. I care somewhat now because you still have to leave a good impression. And there's a part of me that make I want to make sure that I'm doing a good job. Right. So from that perspective, I care what people think. But, you know, I have a pretty positive, healthy mindset in general. And um, my perspective is I have an eternal perspective. I try to keep uh, keep in mind what I'm doing in relation to eternity. I yeah. have a, I have a yeah. mindset of, and, of service uh-huh. to people. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a band leader, I'm still serving my other band members. It's not about me. 
Right. I, that's that's yeah. that's um that's how I think. So, as so, long as I do a good job, as long as I do my best, I don't really care what people think. I I think I got it. If I can create create a blanket statement or blanketed statement from what you're saying is like confidence and modesty are one and the same. Like you you know you learn to be you learn to be um modest you learn to to have this humility and you learn to 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 be a team player through your confidence you know and like wait a minute you know these things are not right or these things are right you know and you start to lean into those different things in those different situations and you develop who you are and become confident and these are once again you know like we said before earlier in the um interview being a um musician is very transferable to just living life you know so with, with that being said, like, you know, <laughs> honestly, you yeah. just like reassure. This is my mentor. This is yeah. one of my mentors here I'm speaking with. So yeah. it's like, it's this is really, really dope for me because it's good to know that that you as well have, you know, transferred over. Like, well, you know, these situations have brought me to understand that, you know, I have to throw that in the garbage. You know, the bad. It's, it's to chew the meat and spit out the bone situations. Yeah, and the, bo- and the bones of it is, you know, who you are as a as a as a person. You know, it's it comes across as you know being modest, but the truth of the matter is, it's just who you are, and that is the confidence in it, and that is amazing. So that's, cool, I got it. That's true, <laughs> and I want to say something uh, about living life. That's I became a better musician as I grew in, into adulthood, mm-hmm. and so there there Maturity are very correlates. Yeah, there are very specific times in my musicianship where you can clearly hear and see growth. Mm-hmm. And um, I was growing in my life. And uh, the other thing about modesty I wanted to touch on, again, it's about service. So when you perform, I had to learn this. You know, sometimes people might think, oh, man, I have to impress this person or that person. Or you might think, I hope I get this lick out. None yeah. of that is really important. Yeah. If you, again, you got to work on your craft. And then that stuff will begin to come out of you. And as far as your presentation, it's a gift. Just think, I want to give this to you. Please accept it. Right. This is this is what you have to offer. Right. People can receive it or not. But you don't have anything to do with if they receive it or not. So that's how I think about music now. Um, and it, it it's hard <laughs> sometimes because those yeah. mind monsters still creep in. And uh, for example, for me, like I was, sur- I surrounded myself with excellent musicians in the jazz tech. Yeah, I got Rajiv Halim on oh, my, my left, goodness. who just oh my goodness, just plays, plays. <laughs> makes me not want to play anymore. Yeah, and it, everybody's yeah. really good, <laughs> but they're all good people. Yeah, you know? uh, that's real, and anyway. that's what brings you back around it. Let's go a different avenue. Let's go the business route. Well, what have you done for your future economic stability to avoid, you know, the stressors in daily life choices as a musician? Because sometimes, you know, money likes to get in the way of of what we do and how we express ourselves as musicians. And especially if you have a family or even if you don't, if you're thinking about having a family one day, what 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 is what are some of the decisions that you've made? Listen to this. This is (laughs) so ironic you ask. Um, I have a student um, who I've grown very close to and her father passed away recently. Wow. And it was very much a surprise. And um, my um, my great aunt, my grandmother's sister, passed away. 
my uh, other grandmother's literally dying right now. She wow. might not make it another week. And it's kind of weird. Yeah. And I know this, everyone goes through this. Yeah. Um, again, eternal perspective. <laughs> I mean, yeah. people, when people are dying around you, I'm sorry to be so uh, no, graphic, or, but yeah, this no, but is it's, real. It's, it needs to be. And this is, and this, I think about this. This stuff is in the front of my mind. Mm-hmm. When people are dying around you, it helps, again, put things in perspective. So for a musician, if you're, if, if part of your gift is to share music, and it is only part of your gift, create music. Share music. I was just talking to Rajiv about this. I'm no different than anybody else. I told him, I said, hey, man, I want to do more things, but I think about money a lot. I want to make sure that I want to, that I can uh, pay everybody. Well, that's that's good, right? But don't let that hold you back. Exactly. And and that's something I've been guilty of. Just three days ago, I was having this talk with him. There is no reason not to create. Right now, we're recording on a very good piece of technology, Zoom H five. <laughs> we're sitting in <laughs> Starbucks, and I have. Good microphones plugged into here. We can record an album for little to nothing. Don't let that hold you back. Yeah. You know, you have good relationships with people. They will help you if you ask. I know that for a fact. Yeah. If you And if they don't, go out and find some better people. <laughs> it's, it's, there's no reason not to create. You have to share what you have. You have to do it now. Life is too short. <laughs> That's real. I'm serious. That's real. No, like, so serious. That's real. Life is I laughed too at the short. irony, but yes. that's so real. <laughs> Benny Golson um, came to college. He came to our, to our college. Yeah. He was the f- first person I toured with in college. Blew my mind how great he sounded. He sounded like the recording. Oh my yeah. gosh, it's real life. And um, man, we we were beginning to have a real relationship. Um, we were we were chatting on AOL. I told my grandmother, I'm talking to Benny Golson right now, AOL chat. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> AOL. And I had some real genuine I was a young guy, I might have been 19, 18 years old, and I had some questions about economics like you're asking me and i i think i offended him i because again it was chat so uh who knows what my tone might have came off a little different than it actually was but um i i get the impression he thought i cared more about money money than creating music which wasn't true i was curious because i i didn't know how to do it um but i think i think that kind of uh I don't know if I offended him or or what, but I think it kind of messed things up. But I get it today. Just create music. Yeah. It's so, it's not like it was in 1972. You don't need anybody's permission to create. So um, if if money is something that's going to hold you back, know that you're dealing again with those mind monsters. Tell them to shut up. Yeah. And just go... Call your friends over and record the rehearsal. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I got a really nice mixer. It's like 200 bucks. 
It doesn't have to you if you can if you can't buy that, fine. Call somebody. Hey man, can I borrow your your recorder? Yeah. Just make something, man. Buy a little uh a microphone for your phone. Yeah. There's some actual real good ones out. That's my answer. Yeah. Does that does that make sense? It's, yeah. Just keep creating. Even in the midst don't, of don't limit my, 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 my point. <laughs> no, my real my my real point is don't limit yourself in your thinking. That's that's my real point. Do not limit yourself in your thinking. In your mind, if you think that you can't do a thing, that's a lie. We have the ability to do all things. We have been given everything that we need for life. What has touring done for you as an individual artist, and would your confidence be the same with it as both a musician and businessman? Why, why do you sound like you're reading your question? Okay, all right. So, all right, fine. I got no, you. This, so, this, like, this like, casual. no, I'm sorry. I, I was trying to, I was trying to be, I guess, a little bit too professional no, for yeah, that. No. So, so with touring, like, does, has it changed you? Has has touring made you, you know, made your confidence go from zero to one thousand or Without touring, would you still have had your confidence go zero to one thousand? Can you imagine? What's confidence got to do with? <laughs> I mean, well, you know, there's, you know. Well, this we, is my this is my point. I, I I think I really know what you're getting at, but um, this is kind of related to what you were asking before. I think with uh, what do people what do people think about me? Is is it kind of tied? It sounds to me like it's kind of tied in together. Is that yes where you're coming no. from? Yeah, it is about what people think about you, but there is a really, you know, there is a physical, you know, standpoint to this. Like, you know, that's what, what you look like on paper. On paper, you are this person that did X, Y, Z. You are this person that toured with such and such and so on so forth. But um, without those things, could you still develop to the person that you are today? You know, you know, not everybody's blessed with the opportunity. There, there are a lot of bands out there, but there are also a lot more musicians out there that desire to be a part of these bands, you know, and you never want to feel like you're a dreamer and your reality will never match. So can I be this musician? Can I go to school and can I go through this process that the system has set up for me to, to be this person that I want to be and this person I see in my head and actually be successful? So, yeah, that's what I'm asking. Oh yeah, that's a really good question. I see what you mean now. Thank you. So, um, uh, for me, I actually don't tour, but, um, but that was actually by design. Now, let me tell you something. I decided very young that I didn't want to tour. And so I truly believe as a result is the reason why I don't tour. Um, mm. I, because I, I spoke about it out loud. I'm not going to tour. I said that numerous times out loud. I said I'd rather be a local musician and make a living locally. I yeah. said that out loud too many times to count. Yeah. And so actually that's what I am living out today. I said that I want to be a family man before I even had a girlfriend. Yeah. Now I have a wife and two children yeah. and one on the way. Yeah. So <laughs> and I work locally. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. You know what? I work locally. Um what you it's, speak? It's, it's, a, it's a privilege, you know. So that's um, real. Um, about the comfort, but I, but with that being said, you know, some of the uh, great acts have come to Chicago, and I've had the privilege of working with them. You know, I get the yeah. call to do that, and that stuff is fun. Um, yeah. Confidence booster, maybe well after the fact, not not in the moment. 
Why do you say that? Because for me, I, I'm thinking, first, I'm thankful. You know, wow, I got, I'm here with. Sons and sons. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is great. I got, I have to do a great job now. Yeah. You know, there's a little part of you that just wants to show people that they made the right decision. Yeah. In, in calling you. Affirmation. Hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. So. The affirmation is there, but the confidence still comes from within. It still comes from within. That's true. That's what you're saying. That's true. Yeah. So, okay. I got it. I got what you're I hope saying. that answers your question. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. It does. Like, you know, we go through these processes, and if we get there from a, an outside, external, you know, confirmation source, awesome. You know, whether it be touring, whether it be some big stage, but long and behold, we learn and come to discover that the, the true affirmation is, are you really doing what you want to do? There's somebody by the name of Michael Burnoff. Look that name up. Michael Burnoff. Uh, he asked me on the phone. He said, uh, what are your goals? And so I was about to go down the list of what my goals were at the time. And he cut me off around the first or second one. He said, no, 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 no. You don't want that to be a goal because that has nothing to do with you. It, it had uh, everything to do with an external source uh, giving approval. And I have no control over what another person approves. Right. So instead, uh, he was teaching me, you want to make goals that are measurable that you can actually work toward and you have all of the control of, of if they happen or not. And uh, that was a very valuable lesson for me. So uh, that taught me to, to measure. So whenever, so to, to, for example, um, I don't have any control of if someone calls me to work with fill in the blank. Give, just name some random popular artist. Uh, Usher. Usher. Okay. I have cool. no. I have no. <laughs> Bad time for Usher. Sorry. <laughs> I have. I have no control over if I get that call. I can't make them call me. Yeah. Um. But what's a good example? What What do I have control of? I can. It's. It is within my control to put out. Uh, two albums in two years for yeah. example i have all the control of that i don't need permission to do that thanks a lot lanai for joining yeah. us today it was a pleasure <laughs> having you on the show thank you it's been an extreme honor we'll talk to you soon yeah all right and that's our show for today thanks again for pressing play on this episode if you like what you heard if you learned something new if this helped you in any way please let us know by rating the show on itunes or whatever platform you're using to listen to this right now also i want to let you know next episode we're going to have brent barstra on from learnjazzstandards.com you don't want to miss that episode we talk about how to make a living with your blog he has a music book a music blog blows me away see you next episode god bless you